Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, featuring fresh and lively commentary on all things Primal, including Q&A sessions with Primal Blueprint founder, Mark Sisson, special guest interviews hosted by Mark Sisson, and conversations with Primal Blueprint authors and other health and fitness experts. The show is presented by Damage Control, Master Formula, the world's most potent multivitamin, mineral, antioxidant, anti-aging supplement, available at Episodes are available for download or to review written summaries at blog.primalblueprint.com. Hey everyone, welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast. I'm your host, L. Russ, and today I'm going to be speaking with Dr. Dannenberg, best known as Dr. Dan. Dr. Dan has over 40 years of experience as a periodontist specializing in the treatment of gum disease, and he is also a fellow Primal Blueprint certified expert. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you. It's exciting to be here. You have a really interesting story because you experienced a really scary health crisis years ago that led you down the primal paleo path, and then you eventually became a primal blueprint certified expert. So can you tell us about that health crisis and how you were led to primal? Absolutely. Well, you indicated that I've been in practice for a long time. So right now I've been in practice for 41 years. That's a hell of a long time, right? Mm -hmm. So... (laughs) So back in 2006, and I was a periodontist for 30-some years at that point, I felt like I was pretty healthy. I did everything that the media told me to do. So I ate whole grain foods, and I drank skim milk, and, and I didn't eat a whole lot of butter. I didn't eat very many green veggies, but I sure liked the starchy veggies. And I thought popcorn was the best snack because of all the healthy fiber, right? (laughs) Uh, So, you know, I was following the track of everybody that was telling me I was healthy. I was exercising aerobically maybe 50 minutes a day for five days a week. Um, And that was me. So in 2006, my daughter and her family were transitioning to Portland, Oregon from Charleston, South Carolina. So while they were in the process of moving, they were staying at our house. So my daughter is sitting on the floor in my dining room, and I am standing with my laptop, and I'm holding it and doing something, and all of a sudden, I get a shock through my laptop and I drop my laptop on the table and my daughter looks up to me and says, dad, what's wrong? I said, I just got an electric shock from my, my laptop. She said, don't be so melodramatic. Right. (laughs) So one week later I had a stroke. So what was happening was I had a transient ischemic attack which is a warning sign of something pending, but I didn't realize that at all until after the fact. So I had this stroke, and let me tell you how this happened, which is the stroke is scary, but it's very bizarre too. So it must have happened when I was sleeping in my bed, and my daughter was still there, and my grandson, who was maybe five or six years old at the time, we would always go out to breakfast, and it was a Saturday morning. So I woke up Saturday morning, And he was sleeping in the bed with us. And I turned to him and attempted to say, Jake, do you want to go to breakfast? And it came out, Mm, couldn't get the words out. I couldn't speak. 
So I thought, first of all, I was dreaming. Then I thought, you know, maybe I was breathing through my mouth and it was all dry. So I got up, didn't feel bad at all, walked into the bathroom, took a drink of water, came back to the bedroom, still feeling great. And I could not speak. It was very scary. That's frightening. Now, my wife is a registered nurse and she's sleeping in bed. And I wake her and she immediately understands what's going on because I can't speak. Now, did you understand what was going on or you didn't? And just by sheer love and wonder, she's a nurse. Yeah, I did not exactly realize I was having a stroke because I figured if I had a stroke, I would feel badly or I couldn't move or something else was happening. I actually not only felt great, she, my wife was getting ready to take me to the hospital. I took a shower before I went. Amazing, right? That's pretty but impressive. I not, <laughs> but I could not speak. Now, wow. as this point was going on and on, I'm getting scared because I'm realizing this is pretty serious and I probably am having a stroke. And we get to the hospital and my blood pressure is like, 280 over 150 or whatever, you know, it's unbelievable. And I had a stroke. It took a few days before I could start to speak. Um, Within three weeks, I was speaking okay. About six weeks later, I was okay enough to go back to practice. So that's my story about my stroke. But I realized that I needed to get some education about nutrition because obviously I wasn't healthy. And my physicians, of course, I see my physician every year. So my physicians never indicated anything, never talked to me about any lifestyle changes, but he wouldn't know anyhow. So I um, did a lot of studying and I figured that the the research and the studying I was doing was going to really hone my skills. So in 2013, let's kind of fast forward from 2006 to 2013, I found a five-day nutrition course that sounded phenomenal. It was called nutritional intensive for healthcare professionals. And it was going to really tell me everything that was happening today in nutrition. And it was actually at the Acropolo Center for Yoga and Health. So I took this course with the knowledge that, or the hope that it was really going to hone my skills and I would come home with a few pearls. You know, every time you go to a course, you want to at least get one pearl. So I figured something like that was going to happen. So when we, I took this course, the first evening, the, the, the course started in an evening, on a Sunday evening. And the first nutritionist that got up, who is now one of my best friends, John Bagnulo, he stood up for the next hour. He talked about primal nutrition, did not know anything about primal nutrition. He talked about primal nutrition and basically explained to me, as, the, as well as the other 41 people that were in the, in the audience, he explained to me that just about everything I was doing was wrong. What a blow, you know? That's a a harsh mental moment. I've had it too. I think we all have. Everyone who's come from a different paradigm and into this one has had that moment of disbelief. Like how could it all have been wrong? Yeah. But from 2006 until 2013, I was was really believing I was going down the right path. He told me that, that pretty much everything I was doing was wrong. And he made so much sense, especially when you relate it to two and a half million years of evolution, not just 10 years ago. So, and a few little silly studies that, that seem to prove everything. And this led you to Mark's Daily Apple, which you eventually were sort of a success story on, on the blog there. And you changed your entire eating program and 
got yes. paleo. Yes. I want to talk a little bit though about, you know, what you do and this movement before we get into like you being an expert, etc. But let's talk about cavemen and why they didn't have gum disease. And could you well, chat with listeners and, and, you know, tell us why our ancestors, our hunter-gatherer ancestors didn't have the problems that we have today? Well, first of all, two and a half million years of evolution identified who we are. It created a gene pool that basically is the pool that we live with today. What happened over those two and a half million years of evolution have created the perfect human about 10 or so thousand years ago. And the reason that primal man and woman hardly ever had gum disease or tooth decay is because number one, they ate nutrient dense foods, the natural foods in their environment, not any specific macro relationship. It's just that they were all nutrient dense local foods. And maybe even more importantly, they had healthy gut bacteria because of the foods that they ate. They didn't read a book to tell them what to eat, and they didn't have to, to sit on a scale and re- figure if they were overweight or underweight. They just ate to be satisfied, and they ate what was around them. And we know that they didn't have gum disease or tooth decay because we can look at skeletal remains that show pretty healthy dentitions. And today we can actually do DNA testing of those skeletal remains. And what's fascinating is that the DNA tests show quite a bit of bacteria around the gum margin, where the gum margin was, where the tooth meets the bone in those primal um, skeletal remains, but the bacteria were not virulent. Only after 10,000 years ago or so, when grain agriculture began, did the bacteria start to change? And then about 150 years ago, it just skyrocketed to extremely unhealthy bacteria. And what was really happening was what's called acellular carbohydrates. When grain seeds were cultivated and crushed to form flowers and then refined sugars, the process damaged the cell membrane of these dense carbohydrates. And they condensed the carbohydrates even further. And our guts never have been adapted or evolved to the point that we could digest these acellular dense carbohydrates. And in talking about the remains, skeletal remains, they've clearly shown the difference between a a skull from 60,000 years ago with a perfectly intact jaw, teeth, everything looking perfectly even straight. And then a skull from uh, a farmer from 10,000 years ago with just a corroded mouth. Well, I'm not sure that the 10,000 years ago was so corroded yet, but certainly as the years progressed, it became more um, identifiable to uh, many of the skeletal remains that were were found. Right. It might not have been exactly 10,000 yeah, years ago. Yeah, That's actually yeah, from yeah. Uh, the Paleo Manifesto, John Durant's book. He he talks about that, you know, comparing skulls of one of a, a, a grain farmer, you know, somewhere Definitely. within that 10,000 to now. And def- uh, area maybe it was yeah later so so that's fascinating this acellular carbohydrate that is really I think the the clincher the acellular carbohydrates that basically are the grains and all the grain products as well as pseudo grains I'm not just talking about cereal grains pseudo grains and beans legumes and, and, well. The pseudo grains would be, you know, some buckwheat and, and um, quinoa, that kind of thing. Uh, 
And then legumes have a different problem. Um, obviously, they have anti-nutrients and, and the phytates that, that bind to the minerals and the lectins that irritate the gut. And the big problem in the gut is that the grains, the acellular carbohydrates, not only change the bacteria in the gut, which changes the bacteria in the mouth, they also damage this very, very tender lining of the small intestines, which are one cell, cell layer thick, and they create a leakage, which is called intestinal permeability, or more commonly, a leaky gut. Leaky gut. Right. And it will create a leaking of proteins and other junk that should never get into the bloodstream, bloodstream. will get into the bloodstream. Yeah. And yeah. that actually perpetuates all of the chronic diseases that we have today that did not occur in primal man. Now, there is an argument that says, well, primal man only lived to be 25 years old. They didn't live long enough to have this disease, blah, blah, blah. Well, that's only partially true because once primal man got through the, 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 the mortality rate of being born and then the mortality rate of all the infections as a young person and, and getting killed from animals and falling off cliffs, once they got to the age of around 40, they lived to the kind of ripe old age that we live today, 72, 82 years old. Exactly. Well, let's talk about let's talk about gum disease a little bit. For people that okay. may not even really know what it is or have misconceptions about it, can you tell us what gum disease is and then what would be some signs and symptoms of gum disease? Perfect. Gum disease is basically an infection around the gum of the tooth. For example, if you looked at your fingernail and you saw the cuticle around your fingernail, it looks nice and pink. If it was red or if it bled when you cleaned it with a little nail brush, you would be very concerned because that cuticle is supposed to be attached to the nail and it should be healthy and not tender and not inflamed or not swollen. Now, if is that, this hand in hand with receding gums? Is that a part of gum disease or is that well, separate it from? It could be, and I'll talk to you about receding gums in a moment. Okay. So that cuticle is now, let's look at it as the gum margin of the tooth, and the nail is really the tooth. So the gum margin around the tooth should be sealed as tightly as the cuticle is around the bed of your nail. And the gum tissue is only window dressing. It protects the underlying bone and all the sterile uh, structures that are under that tissue. When there is an irritation in the gum margin, it becomes inflamed. An irritation could be like, an example would be a splinter in your finger. If you had a splinter in your finger, it's irritated. You can take all the antibiotics in the world. You can take all the holistic medications in the world. But you don't heal that splinter area until you remove the splinter, and then the skin heals. So what is happening in gum disease is bacteria in the mouth that really should be there, but not virulent bacteria. But some of the active virulent bacteria in the mouth at the gum line is irritating the gum and causing inflammation, some swelling, and it breaks the gum seal. So the gum pulls away from the tooth. Now, what happens is the bacteria seeps under the gum at that moment, and the chemicals in the mouth change the bacteria remnants, and it forms a hard structure like a splinter in your finger, but it's called tartar or calculus. And this hard calcified structure attaches to the root of the tooth, just like barnacles grow on the base of a boat that sits in the water. Right. 
Now, this is irritating. And if you, at that point, the dentist identifies the problem and he removes the tartar and changes maybe some, some oral hygiene as well as nutrition, which you're not going to hear from a dentist, by the way, or even a physician for that matter. But if they did that and remove the irritant, remove the tartar, the gum tissue would heal and everything would be fine. Now, if this infection is allowed to continue, the gum seal breaks down, the bacteria gets into the gum space deeper and deeper, and eventually it penetrates the bone structure, the jaw bone. Now, that's when the disease becomes more aggressive. It kills the bone cells, the bone cells start to dissolve away, and eventually the tooth can get loose, and eventually you can lose the tooth. And infection is everywhere in your body. Now, when you talked about receding gums, the gum tissue is sealed around the tooth to a very thin layer of bone of the jaw. Sometimes, if you have gum infection, and that very thin, tissue-thin, uh, tissue-paper-thin bone is dissol dissolved from the infection, the gum has nothing to support it anymore, and it will shrink, and that's where you get receding gums. But you could get receding gums without gum disease. If number one, the bone, that very thin bone, never developed when you were born, that's a possibility. So the gum was really susceptible to shrinking, and it will. Or if you grind or grit your teeth, wiggle your teeth at night, you just put the teeth together and you wiggle them, which is not a natural force, then the bone does break down and you can get receding gums without having gum disease at all. Interesting. Um, I love the quote on your website. Uh, it's more exciting for me to save teeth than replace them. Correct. That is really what I am all about. No, that's great. Um, no one wants to go to a dentist, you know, and hear the fateful words of surgery or removal. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about your practice and let's talk about your patients who have had some issues in their mouth. You've helped them change their diets and the results have been really amazing. Can you, can you tell us about that? Absolutely. So I was doing traditional periodontal surgery, which your listeners are going to cringe about, and that it was cutting with a scalpel, treating the bone, putting medicines and bone graft material under the gum and the bone, and using stitches to seal the gum. And I did that for the first 35 years of my practice. Mm -hmm. But about five or six years ago, I learned of a new technique that was available called LANAP, which stands for Laser assisted new attachment procedure. It's a laser procedure that actually would treat the gum disease without cutting the gum and without using stitches. And most importantly for the patient, the next day they would feel like nothing was done. And even more important for me, I could get better results from the laser treatment than I could from the first 35 years of traditional surgery. Wow. And we could actually grow new bone, which is unbelievable. Talk to any periodontist. That's the hardest thing to do. And it is accomplished. And I have been able to accomplish it, accomplish it in traditional ways. But none um, of the bone growth that I used to get was as good as the bone growth I get now with patient ha patients having relatively no discomfort. That's amazing. Now, the procedure requires a specific type of laser, which is this laser um, called the periolase laser that has a certain wavelength that actually kills the bacteria without harming the healthy gum or healthy bone cells. All lasers are not the same. They, 
Every, diff- every wavelength does different things. So it's critical that there is a certain wavelength. But the, this particular laser does the job as well as, and if you control the biting forces, you can grow bone. And this is what's exciting. So I started doing that in uh, maybe about five or six years ago. But now I, can, I am able to incorporate the concepts of primal nutrition and lifestyle to enhance the healing process. And if I can educate people, especially young people, to become primal in their eating habits as well as their lifestyle, their mouths are going to be unbelievably healthier, but even more important, their bodies are going to be healthy. And that's what I'm trying to do with my patients. Of course, when I see my patients, they have uh, an unhealthy lifestyle, they have an unhealthy diet, they have a lot of gum disease, a lot of bone destruction. So we have to do a lot of repair to get to a healthy state. But once you get to that healthy state, you can prevent this disease from coming back if you do the right things. And that's what I try to do. Nice. Well, let's talk a little bit about what is the right thing, because I think people, you know, don't understand how many, you know, days, times a day should I floss? Should I brush? Should I use a Listerine? Should I not? Should it be alcohol free? I mean, so what's a, what's a standard program you could dispel to everybody on, on, you know, general care for your mouth other than going primal and living a paleo life? Okay. So let's, let's talk about what I think the research has suggested and what I believe is working. The research actually is suggesting that removing the bacterial film that is around the tooth, which is called the dental plaque, will help eliminate the bacteria that's causing the disease. That's true. Now, that bacteria would not cause the disease unless it was virulent, and there's a lot to do with the right diet to make that bacteria not virulent. But let's assume that we're not into the diet yet. We're just trying to clean the mouth properly. So if you're trying to clean the mouth properly, flossing is a good thing. Brushing at the gum line is a very important thing. And I love the electric toothbrushes because they're just more efficient. They don't do a better job. They just do it, they do it faster. And in my opinion, a mouthwash is totally unnecessary. At least the mouthwashes you purchase over the counter are totally unnecessary. And when you mention alcohol, that is really not a healthy mouthwash. But I believe, and what I've seen in the research, and there was a research paper, I think, just four or five months ago, identifying that coconut oil, which is called oil pooling, coconut oil is as effective or better than chlorhexidine, which is a prescription mouthwash to kill bacteria. And obviously there are no negative signs or symptoms or side effects to coconut oil unless you're allergic to coconut oil. Well, it's interesting you said that because when people have, I had a friend who had strep throat a few years ago and I was, you know, a little bit worried, like, I want to prevent myself from perhaps getting it and also trying to help them. And in my research, I saw that Coconut oil and coconut butter, when you know p- applied to the mouth and throat, when you have had strep throat, heals the blisters and all of the irritation, and just heals all of the sores within that area quickly. And you know the the book, the Coconut Oil Miracle, they talk about uh, you know in places like Papua New Guinea, etc. When someone got sick, they would have the person drink an entire cup of coconut oil, like down the hatch. So um, I know about its antibacterial properties, and I'm. I, I love that. So you're saying just kind of rub some coconut oil on the gums and in the mouth and just swish it around? 
Well, I would do what I would do is actually use it as a mouthwash. So I would take maybe uh, the literature suggests a tablespoon. If you put a tablespoon of coconut oil in your mouth, you're going to gag. I would suggest <laughs> maybe a half a teaspoon to a teaspoon full of coconut oil. And, you know, it's solid at room temperature, but it melts immediately at body temperature. So actually it melts at 76 degrees. So when you put it in your mouth, it's going to melt right away. And you need to swish it just like you swish a mouthwash. You, you have to theoretically swish it for a longer time than a regular mouthwash, maybe 10 minutes. Some of the, the anecdotal information is 20 minutes. I don't think that's necessary, but I think 10 minutes is a good time. Five to 10 minutes, five minutes would be maybe the minimum. And you would swish it and then spit it out. Now, what I do suggest with my patients is we're dealing with infection, um, and I do use antibiotics at times, but we're dealing with an infection. What you could do, which has not been researched from in the literature standpoint from periodontal disease, but I believe that it will work very well, and that is take maybe one or two drops of oil of oregano, add it to that teaspoon of the coconut oil, and swish it for 10 minutes and then spit it out. And that's what I recommend after my laser patients, I actually have it on the post-op instruction sheet, that they could use a different type of mouthwash or this coconut oil with a couple drops of oregano oil. Now, oregano oil has some interesting research, not necessarily for gum disease, but there is some interesting research of how effective it is as a, an antibacterial, antifungal, anti a viral product. Which I have what? used actually many times. In fact, uh, my brother used to work for Dr. Cass Ingram, who was a doctor who basically brought oregano oil to its popularity in the States. He cured himself of a fungal infection that took him around the world to try to fix. And the only thing that did it was when he was overseas and was eating a diet rich in uh, wild oregano. And so then now everybody makes oregano oil. But it's interesting you said that about the gums because my my friend used to dip tobacco and every time they would take the dip out of their mouth when they were done, they would swish around in their mouth oregano oil and water and really get it in there and um, just sort of just kill whatever they could. And the, the dentist, I mean, they eventually quit, but the dentist was always so shocked that they even dipped tobacco because their mouth was so much healthier than other, you know, other people who did that. And it really might have just been saved there for a few years before he quit because of the oregano oil. And I bring it wherever I go, especially if I'm traveling overseas, because um, it's just great uh, to kill things topically for fungus infections as well. So I'm not surprised that coconut oil and oregano together would be a great mouthwash. I think that it would be the ideal mouthwash for anybody and everybody to use. But here's one caveat. Oregano oil is so effective in killing bacteria, but it is not selective about the bacteria that it kills. So therefore, it will kill good bacteria as well as unhealthy bacteria, mm -hmm. just like an antibiotic. Sure, now, sure. It, it, it doesn't generally create um, resistant species because it kills in a whole lot of different ways. But um, I would not use oregano oil on a regular basis, just like I wouldn't suggest a patient to take an antibiotic prophylactically forever because you're going to damage all the good bacteria. 
Right. And taking oregano oil internally on a regular basis, unless it's for a therapeutic reason, can also mess with your liver and other things. So it's not, you know, one of these things you could just go do every day. Exactly. Um, I hear you on that. And it also burns. <laughs> so when you put it in yes. your mouth, it's not it's not like you really want to be doing high doses of yes, that. Yes, that's anyway. why I would only put one or two drops in a teaspoon of um, coconut oil rather than you could use it under your tongue to get it into your blood system very quickly. However, it is pretty strong, and I'm not so sure that that's the most comfortable way to do it. Right, right. So um, I want to bring up an article you wrote for Dr. Uh, Cordain on his site, actually. They posted it called, Why Is My Jaw Shrinking? And yes. one of the things I found really fascinating about this that I just thought was really interesting and I wanted you to share with the listeners is your explanation about the development of the jaw through the action of breastfeeding. Yes. Um, and how our hunter-gatherer ancestors, you know, our, the, our hunter-gatherer cavemen mothers breastfed children until three, four years old. So can you just explain though the mechanisms as to how the jaw is developed through that because I found that really fascinating. Thank you. Well, the jaw is is growing just like the rest of our body is growing, and the bones of the jaw need a a structure to wrap around to get the proper development and shape and position of the jawbone, which eventually will create the position of the natural teeth as they eventually erupt into the mouth. It's also natural. The child puts his mouth around the breast and the breast goes into the mouth in such a deep extent that it fills the mouth and it presses against the upper palate of the jaw. So it's not just sucking on the nipple. It's a, it's a process where the entire breast is actually laid on top of the, or the side of the breast is laid on top of the palate. And the, the, the tongue create the baby's tongue creates a motion around the breast that allows pressure to be placed on the palate as they're creating the milk and, and this, the nourishment for the baby. And it helps to form the shape of the palate. Now, the, the baby is not doing this for one or two days or one or two months. And theoretically, they're doing it for two to three years. And as the jaw is forming, the breast continues to fill the mouth. Now, here's the problem. When you don't breastfeed and you use these artificial nipples, no matter what the shape is, the artificial nipple has no ability to literally press against the palate. And if it could, it will only do that until the palate is growing to a different dimension and the, the nipple, the artificial nipple, doesn't fit anymore. So you're not getting the full development of the jaw, and therefore the jaw can have malformation, which is so frequent today. In addition to all of that, there are breastfeeding, from what I understand from the statistics, is on the rise, but the breastfeeding is only for the first six months or so. By a year, most of the people that were breastfeeding stopped breastfeeding, and our primal ancestors were breastfeeding till the age of three or four. So... The, the mouth is continuing to develop. The breast is not there to help shape the palate. And when you have a, an artificial nipple, you're, the baby is sucking very hard and it actually sinks the cheeks in and it causes pressure on the bony processes where the teeth will eventually form to become collapsed. And we have problems with positioning of teeth in the jaw. 
That makes so much sense. And it's amazing. And it's just so human nature is amazing the way that that's sort of how it goes. And and the best way to do it is just really fascinating. Um, You've been writing a lot of paleo articles on this subject in your field. And I know that you are really trying to get other people in your field on board. And it's really your mission to spread the word. Let's talk a little bit about why you decided to go an extra. I mean, you know, you, you clearly have degrees, but why get a certified expert you know why take the primal blueprint certified expert program well what was your what was your reasoning for that let me let me give you a little commercial first of all (laughs) and i have told this i have sent email messages to mark sisson and brad kearns i believe that this program should be marketed to the medical and dental professions as well as all the athletic professions i agree because it's amazing what the medical community does not know. And I don't think they don't, it's not that they don't want to know it. They don't have a forum to learn it because you don't get CE courses on this subject. So it's not presented to them, but this program really brought it together for me. So I did, um, after I learned about primal nutrition and I really wanted to get, educated as much as I could from that standpoint, I became a certified functional medicine practitioner. Now, I don't do testing and that kind of stuff, but I wanted to get the knowledge to understand cellular damage, and that's where all disease starts. But what, when I did the Primal Blueprint certification, it brought together the primal diet nutrition concept with primal lifestyle, and I could now put all of that together in one place. Mark and his group has done a phenomenal job of putting it together, and it's so easy. I mean, yeah, the, the, the study, the study it, it's challenging, which is good. If yeah, it were yeah. too simple, it wouldn't be good. So it's challenging. I had to actually take notes. It was amazing. I haven't taken notes in decades. But anyhow, so I took notes and I studied this, but it was fascinating to me. But it brought everything together. And I think I have a full circle of knowledge to to eliminate gum disease and probably most chronic diseases today. Absolutely. Um, what, what are you looking forward to moving ahead? What are you looking to do with your certification or not? I mean, I know that there's a lot of articles you're writing. You're trying to be involved more in your community and spreading the word. Are you doing paleo coaching for people? I know you offer phone consultations on your website, but I wanted to ask you more about that. I mean, if someone's having some issues, clearly you can't examine them and their mouth over, you know, Skype, but do you coach people in paleo nutrition? I do, constantly. I have written my own little forms that I give to every patient. Every patient that comes to see me, they get my stuff. Now, they don't necessarily read it or believe it. You know, you're only going to move a certain percentage or a small percentage of people, but I give this information to everybody. They hear my shtick. I tell them about primal nutrition. I tell them that this disease was not a disease of our ancestors hundreds and thousands, you know, five, 10,000 years ago and beyond, uh, further than that. I tell these patients what I think they can do for them, they can do for themselves, and I explain what I did for myself. I lost 31 pounds in almost a year and a half, two years, 
only because I ate properly, not because I tried to go on a diet. I changed my health. I changed my chemistries. I used to be on lots of medications because of this stroke. My doctor said that you need to be on these medicines for the rest of your life. I said, oh, really? And then once I learned about primal nutrition and helping chronic diseases, I've weaned off of the far majority of the medications. So I, I'm, a, I'm a living story of what it's all about. And that makes it so much more believable to my patients because I am telling them the way it is to me. And also, would you like to share, even though I haven't, but I'm sure you won't mind, what your age is to everybody, that it's never too late to change your life? Absolutely. Well, next, next month, I'm going to be 68 years old. Nice. Um, <laughs> and, and things are really good. When, when I started my education in 2013 of primal nutrition, I'll give you some numbers if you want. My, and I'm taking all these medications at this point. I, my HDL was 48. My triglycerides were 120. My blood pressure was 137 over 87, and I was on three blood pressure medications. Mm. And I weighed 184 pounds. And I'm a short guy. I'm five foot seven. Okay. So that wasn't exciting. Today, or not really today, it was maybe a year and a half after that because I'm having some more blood work next week. But about a year and a half later, my HDL jumped to 76 I was not on cholesterol medication anymore. My triglycerides dropped to 112, no medications. My blood pressure, resting blood pressure, 119 over 72 with one blood pressure medication. And my weight dropped from 184 pounds to 153. Wow. And now I'm a work in progress. There is interesting information that suggests that if you have a manifestation of a disease, it will take approximately one month of eating healthy, and I'm not saying cheating now. I'm talking about really doing it right. Yep. A month of doing it right for every year of the manifestation of the disease. Now, I was 66 years old when I realized I was not healthy. So I have a long time to go <laughs> to get very, very healthy. But you got I have a lot of months ahead of you, my friend. I have no problem. I'm motivated. I am on the path. Yeah. Let me tell you, before you and I had this interview, I was doing my primal workout like Mark suggests. I did my squats. Doing some cave crawling? Doing some uh, cave crawling? or? No, no, no. I do the four basic. Come on. I'm 68 years old. I do my four basic movements. I do pull-ups. I never was able to do a pull-up and a chin-up until now. That's great. That's so, so I, great. Pull-ups, I do push-ups, I do squats, and I do planks. And I do that a couple times a week. I do high-intensity interval training with a Nordic Tracks cross-country skier that I have. I ride a trike outside for my aerobic exercise, and I walk 10,000 steps a day as long as if I can. That's great. That is, we are yeah. so happy to have you as part of the Primal <laughs> Blueprint family and uh, especially of certified experts. Everybody can go check out your blog and more about you at drdannenberg.com and that's D-R-D-A-N-E-N-B-E-R-G.com, drdannenberg.com. You've got a lot of articles up there and information on how to contact you if someone needs your uh, consultation. Anything else you'd like to share with us before we well, go? 
Two things, maybe. One is I'm working on a book. It's called The Gum Protocol. Is your diet giving you gum disease? I actually have it out with a literary agent now, so hopefully we'll find a publisher for that. And um, I did an in-office study, a clinical study, and there there has never been a study like this done where I use nutrient-dense whole food supplements and evaluated their relationship and their effects on gum disease. And it was just published in the Wellbeing Journal, the March-April issue of the Wellbeing Journal, uh, 2015, and it was called Gum Disease and Nutrient-Dense Food Supplements, Results of an In-Office Study. I'm assuming the results were positive. (laughs) Yeah. So let me just briefly tell you the results, which are very exciting. The patients that I saw, we we evaluated 13 patients in my office. We looked at 41 individual teeth. We measured the space of the gum infection, which is measured in millimeters. And we also related if the gum infection was causing bleeding or not bleeding. All the patients had to have bleeding sites and they had to have pockets that were deeper than four to five millimeters, which is a sign of gum disease. So... All, all those patients, 66% of the bleeding sites stopped bleeding. That's a lot. That's 66%. A lot. And the pockets shrank from 6.5 millimeters to 5.0 millimeters, which was a 24% reduction of the space of the infection. And that was only with the natural food supplements without changing any gum uh, oral hygiene, with, without changing diet at this point. I just wanted to see if certain nutrient-dense foods could change the inflammatory response in the body, and it did. Oh, that's fascinating. You've got to keep up these studies. Keep them going. We need it. I'm doing it. (laughs) All right. It was great to have you. Thanks so much for being on the show. And again, you can uh, find out more about Dr. Dan at drdannenberg.com. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Hey, Primal Podcast listeners. Have you been wanting and waiting to take your health or your clients to peak levels? Then it's time to enroll in the Primal Blueprint Expert Certification. The Primal Blueprint Expert Certification is the very first and surely to be the preeminent ancestral health online certification program. From the comfort of your own home, you'll dive deeper into the Primal Blueprint philosophy with a comprehensive online course and examination process through 13 educational modules. This self-paced course is equivalent to an upper-division college course in the health sciences. You'll develop the expertise in primal eating, exercise, and lifestyle practices to help you and your clients achieve breakthroughs. This certification program also gives you access to over $400 of multimedia educational materials, ebooks, digital books, and video instruction from Primal Blueprint author Mark Sisson. Graduates are listed online in our certified expert directory to enhance their credibility in the evolutionary health world. Register for the certification program today at primalblueprint.com and gain immediate access to the course materials and educational library.